Welcome to the This Is Not A Watermelon podcast. Today we're rerunning a conversation that we initially published in February of 2023 with iconic Palestinian painter, sculptor, author, and cartoonist Sleiman Mansour. This conversation is still very relevant today. If you find it useful, please share it or let us know your thoughts in the comments section. And make sure to subscribe to the This Is Not A Watermelon podcast for more interesting content on Palestine. Welcome to another episode of the Africa podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Today on the series, we have the artist, the very distinguished artist, Sleiman Mansour, who is one of the most renowned artists from Palestine. Born in 1947, Sleiman's work has become iconic. Um, his his um, credentials are um, extensive. His work has been shown all over the world. And it is my absolute honor to welcome him to Afikra. Esteh um, Sleiman, welcome to Afikra. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you. I'm proud to be here, actually. Thank you. No, I've been a fan of your work, and I have been moved by your work for for decades. And so it is a, a real honor to be able to speak to you about your art and, and your life. Thank you. <clears throat> I want to ask you... Um, I want to start out with some of your childhood. Um, you were born in 1947, a year before the Nakba. And yes. I want to ask you, what do you remember of your teenage years? You're in the 40s and 50s and uh, early 60s. What do you remember about growing up in Palestine at that time? The, where somebody was, was growing up. It affects his art very much. So uh, my childhood affected my art a lot. I, I, I spent my childhood in, 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 around uh, Birzeit. Uh, Birzeit was a small town, a Christian and Muslim town. And uh, it, it has lots of uh, olive trees around it. You can tell from the name of the, of the, of the village. Yeah, of course. And also uh, natural springs where we used to, to play and to swim and so on. So it was a, a beautiful place to grow in uh, as, as a child. And Did you... I, um... Sorry, Tfadl, please go ahead. But my father died when I was uh, very young. So my family sent me to a boarding school in Bejala and Bethlehem. And there I spent uh, most of my childhood, except in summer I used to go to visit back. But uh, during this time in the school, I... the. The, the teacher who was responsible for the boarding section, he was a German artist. So he took care of me. He, he noticed that I like to paint and to draw and so on. So he took care of me. He showed me books and he uh, gave me materials and so on. And he uh, encouraged me to participate in, uh, for, in, for example, a competition that was done by the United Nations for the Children of the World. That was in 1962. And I participated in that uh, competition. 
and I won a prize there at that time. And they put my painting on the cover of the catalog. And they gave me $200 in 1962. That was a fortune. <laughs> yeah. So with, with all this, uh, this fame and with all this money, uh, people started to respect me and to respect my my ability to, to to paint my you know my my love my passion for painting was painting your first love or I, I saw a picture of you as a young boy doing pottery um but did you was painting immediately your first love as an artist uh, it's, it's like yes i um, and, and you know, I, I remember I used to help my grandmother doing things. You know, as as an artist, I, I love to to make things with my hands. And if I have the opportunity to work, uh, to play with my grandmother to make things in clay, in summer and play with the water and with the mud, that was also very nice. I did that. Yeah. And of course, in the school also, they gave us some courses in uh, clay, clay making. Yeah. But but my first passion was drawing and painting. I want to ask you a little bit about um, the phases of your work. I'm, I have lots of questions about your biography, but the phase of your work, one of your most iconic uh, paintings is this from 1974, The Camel of Hardships. Um, when you see that painting, um, do you think of the 1970s? Is it obvious to you that this is your work from the 70s and not your work from today? Is, are there artistic things going on here that you say, yeah, yeah this, is, this is how I felt in the 70s, this is how I painted in the 70s, um, and this is what I was going through? Uh, I don't think I changed a lot, you know. Uh, maybe the 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 change that happened with me is that I became older. My sight has been not not so good as before, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't have the patience to do detailed things like I used to to do. So that's the only difference. But I still love this kind of painting, and whenever I can, I do it. And yeah. uh, also the situation that we live in, it, it didn't change, you know. It's yeah. still occupation. And it's, it's still the same, the same things that happened at that time. It's happening until now. Yeah. So there's nothing that will uh, give me, you know, like new ideas or something. On the contrary, I always have new ideas through the occupation. Like the wall, like the uh, yeah. confiscating of land, the prisoners, all my ideas come from the occupation. Can you tell I me a little probably, bit? Yeah, sorry. You know, I, I, I don't like that a lot, you know, but that's how, how we live here. And I feel like I have to, to, um, to reflect that in my art. Yeah. When you were a kid, um, who were some of your 
favorite artists. I mean, if you think about your in the sixties, if I was speaking to you in, you know, 1967, if I was speaking to you, you would be 20 years old. And I asked you, who are your favorite artists? Who would you say? Look, I told you about this German teacher. Yeah. And he showed me books. He showed me a film about uh, a German artist from the uh, Renaissance called Albrecht Dürer. And I loved that artist for a long time. I tried to do like he did. And he showed us many, many artwork from the Renaissance. But later I I saw Ismail Shamut work. In 1966, I think I was visiting Damascus. I have an uncle there. And in the in the fair that they do yearly in Damascus, there was an exhibition of Ismail Shamut, and I couldn't leave it. I spent all 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 my time in Damascus sitting in that exhibition. So Ismail Shamut was a big effect on me at that time. Yeah, and later he became a good friend of mine also. Can you tell me a little bit about um, the the effort to try to build a movement around Palestinian artists um, in the 70s um, and what that was like, you know, uh, trying to do exhibitions in Beirut and trying to do exhibitions in Italy and all over the world. What was that like at that time? It, it was, uh, I think, uh, in 1971, that was the first exhibition that happened in, in Jerusalem. And this exhibition attracted a lot of people who were interested in art. So we started to meet each other, the artists, and we discovered that there are about 18, 19 artists living in the West Bank and Gaza. So we immediately became friends and we decided to make like a group or a union, and and of course the Israelis they refused our permission to give us permission to work as a as a union, and then but we went on and did our first exhibition in uh, 1975. Uh, this exhibition, many people saw it, and they invited us to show it in Jordan in Amman. And in, from Jordan, somebody saw it and they invited us to do it in London, in, in, in Britain, 1976. And then what we were invited to do it in the United States, like a touring exhibit in many places. And we did it in 1977 in the United States. And since then we became well known, I mean, uh, people started calling us from Germany, from uh, from Italy, from Japan, and so on, to do exhibitions there about uh, our situation here. And we were generous enough to 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 to, to send exhibitions. You know, although yeah. now I'm now thinking about it, it was a bad movement move because. Uh, a lot of these exhibitions that we sent to places like Italy and Germany and Japan, it never came back. 
for many reasons. Yeah. But we lost we, we, we lost lots of work. Do you feel like yeah. if do you feel like you do you look back at that time almost like you were naive that that these all these people who are coming to the exhibitions and we're organizing them that they were going to take care of your work. Cause I've heard those stories that, that, you know, some of the most iconic pieces are, have vanished. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like this one, the camel of hardships, um, this piece, you don't have, you don't have this piece anymore, right? No, the first edition, I don't have it. Like what happened? What happened to that? The, the people who, who decided to print it as a poster in 1975. They they told me they need the original work to photograph it and do it like a good poster. They took the original work and I never saw it after after that. So they kept it and then they gave me they they, they told me they want to buy it. They gave me some checks and I checked only one of them, and the others they didn't go go through. Anyway, this is a small yeah. example of our naivety. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm still, and we are still naive enough to, uh, because yeah. we still we are still cooperating with people around in the world. We are sending yeah. artworks. I, I I think naivety is in nature, and and not only in us. It's, <laughs> And a lot of Palestinian people, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's 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 a heartbreaking story. So what advice would you give yourself going back, you know, if you were to speak to yourself in the 70s, what advice would you have given to yourself back then? <clears throat> of course, to be more careful. Yeah. But I wouldn't I I wouldn't advise myself not to participate because this participation, they were very, very important for our, for the, for the whole world to know about Palestinian art under occupation. So you have to pay a price for that. Yeah. And and the price was very hard, was very heavy for us, you know, losing all these works. But the most uh, heavy price we paid it in Beirut. Because we we used to send artwork to the Union of Palestinian Artists, who was in Beirut, Ismail Shamut, uh, because they needed our participation in exhibitions they did in the Soviet Union and the world here and there. Yeah. And when the war happened in 1982, they told us that the headquarters of the Union was bombed and all the paintings were destroyed. Of course, we later we, we knew later that that was a big lie because every now and then we a painting is found here and there. Either on it's sold on uh, Christie's or whatever, you know. And there, and, and, and there are about 40 paintings in Tehran also. They are in the Museum of Tehran that were given through the 
the Palestinian artist union to, to Tehran to make an exhibition. And then we, we can't we can get them back. Yeah. For bureaucratic reasons only. When you were working in the 70s, um, if I were speaking to you then and I said, um, are you making political art? Are you are you a revolutionary? Are you uh, engaged in the protest movement? Would you have said, "Yeah, of course I am. Of course, I, I of course I am." Or would you say, "No, I am just painting the life that I see." What would you have said? I would have said that I'm painting. I'm reflecting what what my life. I I never considered myself as a political artist. Or, or as, and I never was affiliated with any any political party. So it was like uh, it's it's. I thought it is a kind of silly, you know, that I'm I painting flowers and I'm living under occupation. It doesn't fit. And also in 1981, uh, we were called by the military authorities in Ramallah from the Israeli military authorities, and they they started arguing with us, me and another two friends, that why are, why are we doing uh, political art? So we, we should do like a, a nice woman, a nude figure, or flowers, and they will buy from us that kind of art. So from that time, I... I, I like to paint flowers and I like to paint nice women, but when I, when, when I, whenever I, I want to do it, I, I remember that composition <laughs> and I don't do it. Yeah, no, um, it's a it's a crazy story. I want to talk about that moment um, specifically. Uh, can you tell me the story about you being told? not to paint the flag, 1970, 1980, something like that? Yes, that was in 1980. <clears throat> I had an exhibition in, uh, in Ramallah. We, we opened the gallery in Ramallah, the, this group of Palestinian artists under occupation. And I had an exhibition in that gallery. It lasted only three hours. And then they came and closed the gallery, took the keys, and went away. And after like one month, they called us, me and my two friends who own the gallery. And they started interrogating or discussing art and life with us. And, you know, including why are we painting political paintings? Why not flowers and so on? And then they, they, they told us that they, they, there is a law uh, that uh, we are not allowed to paint in red, green, black, and white. These are the colors of the Palestinian flag. It seems they had they have a law that the the Palestinian flag was forbidden. So also the colors of the Palestinian flag are forbidden, and we as artists we can't paint in these colors. A friend of us who was sitting there, Assam. He started arguing with the, the man, and, and, and he asked him, if I make a flower, 
as you want, but with these colors, what will you do? So the soldier was angry and he said, listen, if you make a watermelon, we will confiscate it. We will take it. So don't do that. Don't do anything in these colors. Also, at that time, they forbid us to make any exhibition in the West Bank and Gaza in the occupied territories unless we uh, we present our work for the military censorship and we take uh, permission from them to show this work. So it was really very hard for us to show our work in the West Bank and Ramallah. We, we, we had only place like the universities to make our exhibitions and yeah. municipalities, the library of the municipality. But we, there was no infrastructure for art, you know, like museums or galleries or whatever. Yeah. Um, during the first Intifada, um, you participated in a boycott against um, some of the sort of art supplies. Um, and you started working with mud. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? <clears throat> yes, in the first Intifada. Uh, the philosophy of that Intifada was to rely on ourselves. That we should uh, try to eat from whatever we produce, we plant and we eat from that. We Even, even to smoke from our companies that make cigarettes. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> and, and I started to smoke from that cigarettes. And I, I, until now, I, I, I have bad effect in my chest. <laughs> but it was a patriotic effect. <laughs> anyway, I... And then... I started to think, you know, alone, you know, I, I, I didn't discuss this with, with any of my friends. That if this is the, the philosophy of the Antifada, so why don't we, as artists, we do the same? Why should we buy art, uh, art uh, material from Israeli shops and then paint against, against Israel and against the occupation? There's something not not nice in this circle. So why why should we why shouldn't we search for the natural materials from around us to do this kind of art? And then I I I came back to my grandmother when I was helping her with she 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 was doing for the bees you know like bee heaves from mud you know like a barrel with a small hole in it. And uh, I, I, I remembered that work with her. And immediately I started to, to search for the material for the, the we call it a special name, this kind of uh, earth. Yeah. And, um, and uh, hey, and I started to, to do my art and uh, in, in the beginning, always it cracks. But in the beginning, I didn't like the cracks. So I spent a lot of time trying to hide them, to fill them and to not to show them anymore. 
but you know, later, later I discovered the beauty of the cracking, and 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 I thought it reflects also the fragmentation of the Palestinian geography, with all the after after the after two thousand, with with all the checkpoints and so on. So it, the the geography was fragmented, and I thought. The cracks in the in the in the mud that I was doing also reflect that. Also, the it it it, it reflected politically also the, our situation in in, in, yeah. in under occupation with all the political parties and the fighting between them. So yeah. the, these cracks, I thought, it, they they make sense for me. But then I. You know, after a while, I in 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 1988, I visited my friend Nabil Anani. He's an artist, and I saw that he is doing the same thing, without even uh, discussing things with him. But he was doing it. Also, he remembered from his childhood. He's from Hebron area, and there they are famous for the leather, and working with leather. So he was doing his artwork from leather and henna and natural materials. And then we visited another artist, Taisir Barakat. So he was uh, searching for wood, old wood, and burning the wood, and also making uh, natural dyes from rumman, from onions, from whatever. So every, every artist was trying to do something. And some other artists, they were doing from stone, because stone in the first intifada became something very important. Yes, because it's it's the only weapon that we had. And it became very symbolic. Yeah. So some, some artists started to make some sculpture from stone, whatever it is. And... Um, but also it changed a lot from even the artists who continued painting. So yeah. they, they, they used to paint, you know, in a very slow way with uh, lots of details. But in the, during the Antifada, the painting changed. You could see the brush strokes very strong and strong colors and heavy colors. So every, everything changed. The, the Antifada changed it. And I can tell that the effect of the first intifada, you, you can only see it on visual art more than anything else, more than poetry, more yeah. than anything else. And I'm proud of that because I feel that I'm a part of that. Yeah. I want to ask you about the characters in your works. Um, so many of your works feature these intimate moments with 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 people um, in the middle of the struggle, even if it is somebody in you know New York City, uh, like this woman uh, in this piece from 2017. For you, when you're when you're painting these uh, these intimate sort of portraits of uh, people, do you sort of have a, a idea of who these people are and what they're going through? Do you uh, have a more holistic experience of who this woman is? 
<clears throat> yes, I. You know, we, I, I, and um, and most of my friends, artists living here, we we took the the, the figure of the woman as a symbol for homeland, for Palestine, for. So we, I, I always try to make it as noble as possible, as beautiful as possible, because it's not a real woman. It's, it's a woman that represents homeland, it, it represents Palestine, with, with all the embroidery, with all the uh, traditional things around it, around the figure. So my, my aim was not to paint a, a girl or a woman. My aim was to paint Palestine in this situation, and the woman represent Palestine. I want to ask you uh, about how you feel about your work when you see your work, when you see people posting your work, um, even from the, you know, the seventies and eighties and onwards, how does it feel? I mean, when you see that, are you, is the immediate reaction, joy, happiness, sadness, because so much of your work is so sorrowful. Um, when you see somebody else post, post it, does it make you feel sad or weak or strong? What is the feeling? <clears throat> yeah, you know, I I would say something about 1975 when when we started making posters. I used to go into, into house, into homes and shops and uh, institutions, and I always saw like the camel of hardship hanging there. I, I felt like I'm welcome there. I felt I felt that this is like my home. I I I I felt you know I'm. I, I felt a feeling of, of being welcome. Now, the people are buying uh, these posters much more than before. Of course, I like that, you know. And and the more they buy, it's, it's a kind of it's 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 like saying to me that we we like what you did, we like what you do, and we feel with you with you, and that's a nice feeling, you know. Does it? Do you ever? It's it's nice, but also it's a kind of it 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 binds me in a way because I, sometimes I feel I have to do something else and something new, but I don't have the courage to stop doing these things or to reflecting what my life here. Yeah. You know, and it's it's good feeling and it's nice things, but at the end, it's it's bonding in a way. Can I ask about um, what is it like being an artist now, creating this work? Um, I mean, you're still you're still creating new works. Um, I mean, are you worried about your safety? Are you worried about? Um, uh, you know, you're still living under occupation. Are you worried about your ability to actually create this work? Not really. No, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid about my safety. 
uh, you know, I passed that uh, moment, you know. You know, maybe, but now I'm too, I think, I think I'm too famous to, to, to get uh, to prison or to, <laughs> you, you know, even, even uh, going to prison was part of my fame also because when I when I was imprisoned all all papers they wrote about that and it became and and even the interrogator he he, he asked me who think you are why everybody is writing about you he was angry you know <laughs> but he, anyway, didn't, he didn't realize that he was helping uh helping uh spread no. the word <laughs> I think he realized but he was angry you know yeah but uh, yeah no i'm what? still working i'm still working but now i'm now very slow yeah you know, i had like a stroke some eight months ago and i have a problem with my left side of the body Alhamdulillah, and physically I, I i don't i don't feel okay and also mentally, you know, I, I don't have the patience to, to do, to sit and work, you know, for hours. Maybe yeah. I work for like half an hour and then I'm, I, I stop. I don't like to go on. Yeah. But I hope, as, as everybody tells me, doctors and psychiatrists and so on, that this is a passing moment, that it will pass very quickly, I hope so. Inshallah. Because I, I still have many ideas, nice ideas. I would like to finish them before, <laughs> before I stop. <laughs> Do you, um, you know, talking to you now, you, you, you have such a lightness to you. You know, you're so jolly and you have, you know, you have a great sense of humor and you're laughing and smiling the entire time. How do you feel when you're, when you're creating these work? Because some, some of your work, it's so um, emotional and it really taps into the, I feel like the, 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 um, the weight of the occupation. Um, are you able to, you know, how does it actually feel creating this work? Do you, are you emotional while you're doing it? Um, is it, are they, is it a joyful process or is it one that's, laborious it's hard to even come up with the emotions it's, it's hard to, to come up with the uh, not not with the emotions but to to interpret the more the emotions in in a in, in a way that that are realistic you know for the for the work of art uh, because you 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 have idea and idea you have a lot of details you have a lot of and you have to do it, and it's not easy. Many times I have to make sketches, like lots of sketches to, to make a figure. Not any figure, but a figure standing in a special way. Yeah. So it's, it's not easy to do things, you know. And it takes time, it, 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 it needs patience. But also, yeah, the most of all, it needs love. Because if I if I don't love the the subject or the scenery in front of me, it, it wouldn't come out so so nice or so 
so, so convincing. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, your work is so poetic and so um, so beautiful, but um, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's definitely um, it's definitely uh, sorrowful for sure. Um, what advice would you give to a young artist? Uh, young Palestinian artists now working under occupation. I mean, I'm sure people come to you all the time asking you for advice. What is the advice that you give? Uh, the the, um, uh, the the main advice is that you should that a young artist should feel that he belongs to to what he is doing, that it's part of himself. What 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 whatever he's doing, if it is a landscape or it is a portrait, or it is a subject, or something like this. He should, or she should feel that this is part of her culture, part of her life. And uh, without feeling belonging, then artists are lost, because they, yeah. they should, you know, the, the artists should belong to their childhood, to, to, to their memories. They, they, they should belong to their culture and to whatever, to their history, to their language, to, to their whatever. Without feeling belonging, then art is not convincing at all. Uh, this, is, this is the main thing. The other thing is that artists should be patient. Because the painting is, uh, uh, does not come out always as you, as you imagine it. You paint it and then you don't like it, so you have to do it again and again and again. Sometimes I, I, I do it again like 10 times until, I, and, until I'm satisfied with the, with the, with the, with the result. So artists should be patient. What about the... You should keep trying all the time. Yeah. What about the, um, the patience that comes with actual, um, almost like the stamina? I mean, you've been, you've been working for, for, for so long, um, and suddenly you, you still have the energy and the, the innovation to come up with and 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 you have new messages to say, um, but that requires like a hopefulness. You know, it, it requires uh, a a belief that the work you're doing matters, and it's hard to it's hard to believe that. It's hard to keep that belief, especially in the the situation that so many artists are in. I mean, what advice yeah. would you have for that? No, I, I can answer that in, in, in a different way. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we, 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 we discussed that I'm naive. And, and I said I'm still naive. <laughs> but not only me. I think most, most, of the, most of the Palestinian people are naive. And they still have hope. And, and that's what makes them still go on living and go on fighting and go on doing things. This hope, and this hope comes out from, na from naivety, as I see it, which is nice, and it's not something uh, bad or something. 
uh, negative, something very positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, it's faith. That's what it is. It's faith. Um, yeah. um before we wrap up, I want to ask you: um, Are you? Do you feel like your work is more accepted and more celebrated today? than at any point in your life and and not only your work palestinian art more broadly do you feel like palestinian art more broadly is more accepted and celebrated today globally than ever in your lifetime yes of course you know the when 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 we used to make an exhibition for example in europe in germany yeah that was in 88 or 87 or 86 uh, you know, just to have an advertisement, an advertisement in the newspaper, you have enemies and you have friends. You have people who are fighting, who are shouting at you and cursing you and writing bad about you, even without seeing the exhibition. Yeah, uh, I mean, being a Palestinian, it attracts a lot of tension. And it's it's not easy to be a Palestinian, you know. And and for you, it's only gotten easier. You think? Now it is. We you know with all the the new new ways of communication. Yeah. It's becoming much easier. Yeah. Uh, people are accepting. You know, at that time also there was this fight, the Cold War fight. And to make anything that is very similar to uh, socialist, uh, socialist, realist art was considered very, it's, it, it's, it's bad. Uh, it was called propaganda art. Because of that war, you know. Yeah, but of now, course. Uh, now, now it's 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 a different story. I see it. You know now, even in in the West, even in the United States and 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 England, it's 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 uh, it's not. It's very good to have a painting, uh, you know, a work of art with the with the concept with the meaning. And in the eighties and the seventies, it was very bad to to have an artwork with a meaning, with a concept. Now it's yeah. a different way. People now are looking at art in a different way, and that's why I feel accepted more now. Yeah, like this this piece, "The Village Awakens" in nineteen eighty seven. I would imagine in the eighties they think, "Oh, this is a socialist piece. This is promoting socialism." Yes, no, no, no. They, they they attacked it. They said this is, yeah. you know, it promotes. It's it's not good for the woman rights. Oh, but really? I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm using women too much. You know, like, and and the Israelis, they they thought that this is about bringing more children, and our fight is becoming, you know, how 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 more we become. Although I didn't think about that uh, interpretation, but I heard it from them. 
Very interesting. Um, okay, I want to do the quick Q&A and then we're going to wrap up. So these are four quick questions. Um, the first is, what are you reading or watching these days? Are you watching any shows or reading any, any books? <clears throat> yes, I'm reading books. Every night I read like for one hour and one hour and a half. Amazing. Any suggestions of books that people should go read? Maybe, maybe I can bring you the book to, to show it. Yes, please, please, please. Sorry for that. No problem. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading this. Amazing. So uh, who's the author? Jerusalem, the biography? Simon Sebag Montefiore. Okay, He's amazing. Israeli, He's Israeli. Okay, but it's nice. To, to, to read the, about Jerusalem history through yeah, Israeli. Yeah. And, and cool. then somebody gave me this book, which is very beautiful and nice. Beautiful. So I, I'm, I'm reading this, and I, uh, this is too long to, to, to read it in a short time. <laughs> okay. Um, from the past, who would you love to shadow? So if you could spend a day with somebody from the past, anyone, who would you love to spend a day with? No, as, lo as long as I'm reading about Salah al-Din yeah. in this book, Jerusalem. So he's a very captivating figure. Yeah, there you go. What do people most misunderstand about your work? They misunderstand the, the use of women in my art. Yeah. But my, my art is all, it goes around identity more than anything else. And I think uh, uh, I think I, I think women they symbolize identity more than anything else. Yeah. With, with their with their with their customs, with, with the handicraft they do in their in their homes, they used Amazing. to do. Great. With the food, with the food they make, with, with the with the with the love they they get, they give to their children. They, they, they really represent identity more than the men. Amazing. But, but many people represent, uh, mis, mis, misunderstand my use with, for this subject of the woman. Interesting. Cool. Um, the last question is, if you were to recommend a few artists for people to check out that you think, you know, you admire their work, um, and they're listening to this podcast and they don't know much about art in the region. Who are some artists off the top of your head that you say, this, these are a few names you should Google right now and you should look at them up, of course. Some, some artists are living in, 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 in camps in Lebanon, like Abdurrahman Katanani. I think he's great. We have also some young artists here in Palestine especially women artists, they are really great. Okay. The last question I'm going to ask you before we wrap up um, is, are you hopeful about the next few decades um, in the region? <clears throat> it's a very, very heavy question. Yeah, to end on. It's a, it's a heavy question to end on, but are you hopeful? But I'm hopeful, yes. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful because we are we are too weak, and I'm hopeful because the enemy is too strong.
And this formula is 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 catastrophic for both sides. Hmm. And so I am optimistic, you know. It will be hard for us, but um at at at, at the end I'm I'm optimistic. Amazing. Um Mr. Sleiman, thank you so much for making the time to speak to, to me. And I really do appreciate um, you making the time and getting on Zoom. And I love your work and I find so much uh, strength and power in it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Maki. And thank you all. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to hafikita.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com slash support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.